0: Good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrilling edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... Uh,
1: The Honourable Paul Carmichael QC.
0: Ah, QC MP or just QC?
1: Just QC. I don't have time for the MP.
0: No, well, no one does. I don't have time for any of of them,
1: No, absolutely not. A shower of
0: bastards. So, um, moving away from not nice things, as in MPs nice and those all. churls who uh, inhabit Parliament, what have you had? Have you had any nice things on the radar this week, dear?
1: Uh, do you know what? I did have one very nice thing. Go on. I think. Right, I think it's a very nice thing. Um, it's It's something I've been working towards, so I have to introduce it in stages. Okay. So, 1981, for some unknown reason, a novel was released that was a tie-in with the TV series
0: triangle nice very nice that's a very nice thing
1: it's a very nice thing and i've had it for a good few years now this uh, novel uh, there's a one point there is and i'm not making this up there is a 45 page section <laughs> this is a novel a 45 page section which details an engine fault
0: herman oh, melville's it? triangle isn't there a chapter in moby dick <laughs> just about the color gray
1: that's exactly what you've got here grey ship, grey skies, grey sea
0: well, um, I like the the origin of Triangle but go on
1: well, but then we move on because Diane Coupland
0: yes, mum in Bless This House
1: mum in Bless This House and of course when Kate O'Mara jumped ship, as they say on everything uh, from the first series of Triangle along comes the second series of Triangle starring, there she
0: is no there's
1: Diana Yes. No way! Twenty-six episodes of Triangle. She did.
0: Question of command.
1: A question of command. They look Christine like waiting
0: for TV tie-ins. I mean, do, they're usually quite you know thin what? little fellas, aren't they? What's that? Four hundred and fifty pages or thereabouts.
1: No, that that one's only two fifty, but the first one we're getting on a bit. Uh, again, two seventy, but oh, it's okay. good on thick paper. Okay. But yes. then this week, finally, and I never knew this existed, but. Up comes Triangle Three. Wow. Divided loyalties by Ben Steed. Ben Steed, I think, wrote some episodes of Blake Seven. Right. Um, and also Triangle. Triangle is just for those of you who don't know it, you must watch it. It's.
0: How many know. episodes are there in total? Because if if Diane Coupland did twenty six, hmm. there must be quite a bloody few.
1: Yeah, it was three series of twenty six. So, and she's right. in. She's in some of the first series because the bloke who was hired to play Kato Mara's father died whilst they were filming this thing, and they were filming it so close to transmission, you know, because they were battling the North Sea and they had edit machines—no, proper edit machines yes. with wheels—and they were trying to run those on a, on a North Sea ferry, and the motion didn't work well with them. So, this bloke who's playing Kato Mara's father just suddenly dies. Uh whilst driving back from uh, a weekend on the ship, drives his car into the middle of a rugby pitch, has a heart stack, and dies, so like, well, what can we do? Diana Coupland, and in she comes as the grieving widow, does a few episodes, ah. but then she takes over the triangle line and she's the star right the twenty six in the middle and it's interesting, you know everyone knows triangle is crap, and it is yeah first the first series is. Bollocks! But I love the fact they gave it a go. I love the fact that they went. Let's shoot this massive soap opera on a North Sea ferry. Yeah. The first episode got kato O'Mara sunbathing topless, and God bless, she gave it a go. But it's crap. But the yes. second series, second series, where they got onto a better ship, mm. and they had. About 60% on the ship, 40% in on dry land. Not in studio, shot on location, but on dry land. And a really decent storyline, and suddenly it worked. Right. Series three. Series three is shit.
0: Well, two things. Well, you always have that third series curse, of course, uh, that comes with these things couple of things spring to mind first of all looking annuals you won't know what they are um obviously um uh, so so what was looking i would say it was it was a radio a children's radio times for 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 families that enjoyed the light channel okay so there was a magazine called looking which was called junior tv times in the 70s and and the looking annuals were fantastic things because you used to have features on what were ostensibly adult shows, right? You know, and it was sort of like meet meet Nina baden Semper, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> it, would be, it would be like a profile on Nina baden Semper, who obviously made, uh, played Rudolph Walker's wife in *Love Thy oh. Neighbor*. So you know what I mean? *Love Thy Neighbor* had a strip in Looking every week, you know. So Looking was I, I know. <laughs> so so that was the kind of you know that was the, that was the caliber of stuff you got in Looking, boy. Um but Scoopland was in many of these uh, annuals and they were great. If you get those early seventies looking annuals, I should imagine if you were a, a TV archivist, you would get so many on the set reports from things like Bless This House and things like Love Thy Neighbour and The Lovers and stuff like that. It's a weird thing, isn't it? You had that sort of there's that hinterland, isn't there, really, whereby um it's it's kind of like, you know, in it was it countdown and T V twenty one, you had a Doctor Who strip. Yeah. And so Luckin had strips. They had a Sweeney strip in there, for God's sake. You know, and a See, Minder strip. Now, now, this is
1: the interesting thing. And I think that this is something where I may have to concede. I didn't miss out slightly. Yes. Because with the BBC, right, when watching it growing up, there was a very clear boundary, right? Mm. And that boundary was the six o'clock news. And what was on before the six o'clock news was for me. And what yeah. was on after six o'clock news was for my mum So my that dad. was the
0: plimsoll line
1: absolutely that was it that forget the watershed 6 o'clock no not interesting yes, even it was if the give a ma-
0: line in those days dear
1: yes that's it yes i think there was a very
0: nautical they... theme to bbc though you know you had that triangle sorry and i'm i'm really going oh. over your point here oh. but but we are talking about watersheds, plimsoll lines, triangles. You know, stay with me. Yes. There is a link. So, okay, I think well, that the BBC did have this thing about um water based stories, maybe going starting with the Oneedin line. Then you've got triangle, then you've got Howard's Way. Oh, you know, I know, yeah, this is this is for ladies and gentlemen. At home, this is what it is known in the trade as pole porn.
1: Oh, um, it is
0: Howard's Way. So, so sorry, going back to your point about the Plimsoll line, and and, and talk of Needin line makes me just think of Mr. Baines? Was it not? Baines? Was it Baines? Yes,
1: it was. And that was, oh, who was it now? Come on. A
0: great big lump of a man it was. He was Howard a smasher.
1: No. Ha, um, oh, God, I will remember it. I'm not Googling it. No, was, you're not. Because he's in An unearthly Child, the first... Story of Doctor Who's yeah. the lead caveman.
0: He turns us James- up- Oh, we've gone from Howard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have, we've made a leap. I can see the credits, but I yes, can't yes. see. What so you've got to see
0: the edge of the words. When you're trying to remember a word, you've got to see the edge of it and then it, it, it sort of goes in, doesn't it? And you home in on the letters and you see the q the, the, the cuneiform, whatever cuneiform means this instance. Um oh oh he's googling. I'm he's sorry. googling. Right then. That'll an- that annoy me. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's one a week, though. It doesn't accumulate, does it? No, no, no. Right, so, okay. What was it? Right, James
0: um, James, you were going with for the first name. You see, in my yes, head, it's, it's something like James. It's not. James it's, Bainbridge? Uh, no,
1: no, no, no. Howard Lang. Howard Lang. There you go. Howard
0: Lang sounds like he should be, like, a producer on alternative comedy in the 80s, doesn't he? He does, really, doesn't
1: yeah.
0: he? it does, yeah. he anyway, look, Howard Lang. Right.
1: The point, though, the point uh, going is. back to Looking, yes, is, is that now. having obviously, obviously, I never saw Looking when I was growing up.
0: Never got in.
1: absolutely,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely not. But I have seen obviously uh, covers on. There's a Twitter feed of old, uh, they're
0: beautiful. And stuff they're like all that. painted. They're all painted. But
1: what got me is that yeah, and there's one that's painted. And the front cover features Blakey from On the Buses. Yes, with. John Thor, yes, and Derek Guiler. That's
0: thinking, an annual. That's an annual.
1: So, was what, what could we say that? Whereas the BBC's got this very definite six o'clock news. Go away. Yes, the ITV kind of much more plays to the family. Do
0: you think? Absolutely. You see, what we had with ITV is um, you'd get up, uh, then you'd have nothing apart from the would be kids' TV shows, right? And then yeah. at 12, 12 p.m., you you see, the thing is, now you would have adored all of this, right? Oh, yes. So at 12 o'clock, we had the uh, the Sullivans. Mm.
1: Oh,
0: exactly. Then at 12.30, you'd have had the Granada news. You, you wouldn't have liked that. No you wouldn't have liked night. that. Oh, well, you might have. Um, and then you had the ITV news at 12.45. And then at 1 p.m., you'd have something like paint along with Nancy or something like that. And, you know, you'd get all these yeah. farmhouse kitcheny things and stuff like that. Oh, Occasionally, you'd yes. then get a film in the afternoon. I remember staying off school and the Love Thy Neighbour film was on one Friday after Friday. After, continuing the Jack. Oh, Love Thy Neighbour Jack. Smith. Thank you. Jack Smith. You had For the Love of Ada. Um so the the show film in the afternoon and then you would get to, you know, sort of like a looks familiar, what marvelous show. Um and then you would get to the kids' programmes, which you'd obviously not like, um, which would then continue to five fifteen where you had some kind of regional magazine show, five forty five, news at five forty five. Then at Love six that. you'd have the Granada News. Uh and then at uh no, at six you would have was it Crossroads at six?
1: I think it may have been, yeah. I think
0: it was Crossroads at six and then six thirty it was the oh, Granada no. News. And then you were ent- it was kind of it was always meant to be family entertainment. You know what I mean? I like that it was structured like that. Somewhat for the old people in the day, then the kids, then the adult bit, then the whole family in the evening, right?
1: I do like that. I do and
0: like that. and it was it was sort of the thing about ITV is every January they would have a, a shit comedy. They would have a shit comedy started after Christmas, because you'd have Christmas, hooray, it was great. And then you'd sort of um you'd have the old um, Hogmanay thing on. Jimmy Shand oh, yeah. and Jimmy Logan and all that stuff. And then they'd have a crap sitcom started in January. So examples of which were one called Dead- Deadly Earnest with uh, Andrew Sachs in. Was that Manuel, Andrew Sachs? I always get me Saxes. That is Manuel, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And there was one about a peer that was originally a radio sitcom meant that was a spin-off Dad's Army. I think on the radio, it half a mile. It, that was the radio yeah. one, but the TV one was Bernard Cribbins and his son bought the pier. Right. And it was a remake of that. But it was terribly poor quality. And then there's one that, that they put out in a January that's sort of taken on a bit of a cult status called Kinvig. Oh, Nigel Neal. That's right. Yeah, Tony Hagan. A yes. Hogarth, mm. sorry. Um, you'd have loved ITV, Paul. Mm. I'm sure you used to hang around Catholic schools hoping to befriend people who would take you around their house?
1: Well, like I say, I mean, um, I do, well, I was trying to think back recently to the formative years of, um, of sort of why I've developed an interest in telly. And I can place now, I think both the BBC and the ITV, right? Yeah. The, the BBC one is because of a Zoom shot at the end of the closing titles of play school, because they zoom out from the house and it zooms. And I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. What, what's that? I found that interesting. Yeah. Then the other time was the very first time I saw the ATV logo, right. which is so ITV, isn't it? Yeah, In color, it's a fanfare. Yeah. And um, I think that that was because on the 4th of November, 1981, I think it was such a big event In my house, we turned over to watch the Crossroads Motel burning down.
0: Yeah, that was a big deal, though, wasn't it? It That that was a big deal. One thing I remember about all those IDENTS and all those ITV uh, regional programs is, again, it was looking. And when you went to the back, there used to be a a kid's TV guide, and it just gave you that, um, you know, half three till 5.15 for every day of the week. And then on a Sunday, you had the, I think it was... 4 till 5 p.m. where you'd have Wurzel Gummidge and something, two different half hours yeah. on a Sunday. Uh, and on a Saturday, you'd have the thing at 5.15, which was, you know, I, I remember it being like Metal Mickey or or something like that that was on on a Saturday. So it just had the kids bits in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, on a Saturday morning, obviously, Tiz was or whatever. And and that page um, had all the regions with little squares of their logos at the top. Do you get what I mean? And it was exactly, see, this is more Paul Porn, in it? So it, it was sort of like you'd have Grampian Border, Tyne Tees, uh, Ulster, ST- I don't think it was STV then. But it'd have all of these things. And so it was quite, you know, we had no internet. We made us own fun in them days, lad. You know, so you'd have oh, internet. And, and so on a Sunday, you would match these up, wouldn't you? So Sale of the Century would be on and you'd see the Anglia thing and you go, oh, that's this. You know what I mean? Yeah. HTV, which was again, it's sort of a lot of those Sunday afternoon things were HTV jobs, weren't they? And mm. that, they that, were, yeah. Yeah. right, you know what I mean? It had that lovely thing. Absolutely. Going on. And, and so you had you could suss it all out. So it was more interesting to me uh, than the BBC One thing. I think that yeah. the ITV thing was more more interesting and more varied from that point of view. I mean, I think they were both putting out absolutely high quality stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it was the golden age, wasn't it? I watched the other night, Parkinson, the Markham and Wise one. Oh, and it's it is wonderful. just unbelievable. I mean, there's a great line in it, which sums them up completely where Ernie goes, do you want me to tell this story? And Eric's like, no, no, you tell it and I'll interrupt and make it funny. And it's kind of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It sums up the yeah. entire oeuvre really, doesn't it? Yeah. You yeah. do some, I'll interrupt to make it funny.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it, it is. It's just well, chat shows now.
0: Are oh, there any no. uh, Graham, Norton. Graham Norton last yeah. year? When I don't know if they still do this, but you know, when they had to do it without an audience because of lockdown,
1: oh, and they were all sat in individual seats, yeah, yeah,
0: and there was no audience to laugh at his jokes, and it was it was appalling,
1: it was painful, yeah, it was really painful, and again. I think this partly goes back to something that I said last week or something. There seems to be a shortage now of intelligent people being invited Mm. to television. And there's a great Mm. deal of distinction between intelligent and opinionated, of course. Yeah. So you get Piers Morgan's life stories. And-
0: Alter shit.
1: What he was interviewing, I'm just trying to remember who it was, um, from Dynasty, Joan Collins. Was right, interviewing Joan Collins recently, she's about what three and a half thousand years old at now. least. Did he mention Michael
0: Jaston idea. choosing the log over her?
1: Uh, no, he's- <laughs> <laughs> but he did find time to ask her for her opinion on Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And you think, well, you've nice. got Joan Collins there, she's worked with everyone, yeah, absolutely everyone. Um, Tony Slattery, uh. Was uh, mentioned this thing to me about when, when she, she uh, it, I think it was called eight thirty. I can't remember. It was a Noel Coward thing they did uh, together. The stories about her, yeah, and an intelligent person would have read up on her, yes, and you'd be ready to do a sort of your critical analysis and bring this with this and you know do a bit of psych yeah. delving. Well,
0: but, think but of the Legends, goes, yes. I mean, Anthony Newley would occupy me from probably the hour. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I could get her to talk about absolutely. It. You, you know, now Piers Morgan is 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 the ultimate in the worst. He is literally the Nadia of mm. of British broadcasting, of society, of everything that is criminally wrong in this world at the minute. Is that someone like him should be elevated to the status of national treasure almost? Yeah, I mean, it's almost absolutely. as obscene as uh, the one who replaced him. Uh, the Butcher of Burnley, Alistair Campbell. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. War criminals, it, right? So, so this was bad enough and now you've got him on.
1: Yeah. It's very, very strange, this idea of opinionating people. I prefer...
0: It's not prefer nice people. Thing, is it? What,
1: it's not. I'd, I'd like not. people who knew what they were talking about. Yes. Talking about that subject. Or people with a genuine curiosity, which is why but, journalists, but I'm talking about Fleet Street journalists. Yeah. Would have, you know, a real interest in finding out the important stuff, which would be. But it isn't a nice thing. We've strayed into something that's not. We've nice.
0: strayed. We've strayed into not nice territory. But then that is 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 sort of going to happen from time to time. Um, it I, is. I, I have wasn't... you?
1: Have you? Have you had any uh, any nice things this week?
0: Well, I'm afraid the nutty comic obsession continues unabated and uh, 185 issues were delivered on Saturday morning at 9am with a a loud rat-a-tat on the door, a hundred and odd of which I already have Um, and so I sat there for a happy hour just getting to, I now have bar issue 198, I now have the first 200 and I know and I'm looking at this gigantic stack, I have as many doubles as I have, do you know what I mean? Mm. um yes I, i'm just uh, it it goes back to that old thing with me more
1: it's like yeah, you know uh,
0: how, 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 how well how much how many sausage rolls do you want all of them yeah okay. um and would you like a drink how many pints would you like oh you, all of them yeah. anything else more
1: so are you going to be happy with the 199 or do you no, need
0: absolutely not. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am all ready. I have. I have on eBay my um, s- uh, search alert set up for Nutty Comic. <laughs> I know it's terrible, Paul. I, it's a sickness. It is a sickness. It is. You know Sadable what I mean? Um, but it's they fun. are nice things. You see, what happens as a kid is, and you know this with your allegiances <laughs> with the BBC, mm. right? Mm. So when you're a kid, you're kind of like, I'm into this and I'm not into that. And don't cross the streets. Oh, yeah. so, so when Banana Man hit BBC One, I was just like that. No, you're crossing really? the streams. Yeah, because the goodies were mine from IT. Now I, I, I like an I like an ITV goodies. <laughs> that was the five fifteen oh. on a Saturday Metal Mickey slot.
1: Well, you can like the six <laughs> episodes made at London Weekend Television, <laughs> but I think I will always prefer the seventy or so made at Television
0: Centre i know but there was that whole early 80s thing all right so there's two different uh phenomena let's call them going on here right firstly you'd have english sitcoms that ended up in australia very implausibly and secondly you would have the defections wouldn't you so you had markham wise uh the goodies what else there's there's got to be more than that hasn't there there must I mean, be, there must be. Des O'Connor used to flip around an awful lot. Oh, yeah. But the defection... I, I remember, actually, a Sunday night one. Didn't in, didn't Till Death Do Part go to ITV for one season? Called Till Death. It
1: might have done.
0: It did. It did, because I remember they painted a Union Jack on his head. On it. Yeah. Now, So that's one of those misty memories I have.
1: Well, that's ATV, nineteen eighty one, and I think that you get this lovely so no maybe <laughs> might, might, might have heard something about it. <laughs> but but um, I think the lovely thing there is nineteen eighty one, um, ATV know that they've lost the franchise. It's it's gone. Right. Um, and it's it's because they it's because they're too popular. Is the basic thing with, I, uh, with ATV. because ATV, of course, were the television for Birmingham, and we've got a massive studio in Elstree. And the yeah. ITC are like, oh, I don't think you can have both. You know, maybe yeah. you want to shift a bit more to the Midlands. And yeah. Lou Grade was like, yeah, I'll do that. I won't do that. And then he made right. Raise the Titanic and stuff like that. Like, Lou, that's really not what we were suggesting you do here, right? Um, and in the end, but it was incredibly popular. You look at the stuff made at Elstree from The Plane Makers through to Time Slip and The Muppet Show.
0: Yeah, all made that's there. nuts, isn't it, that
1: bit? It is. And I think that when you get to 1981, ATV are kind of going, right, well, we're going to be changed. We're going to be altered. Spend the money. And you get some lovely, lovely right. productions in those, in those last few budgets well, on the crossroads. Goes up.
0: Shine on Harvey Moon's an odd one, because series one, it's like, the first five episodes, I think there's five. Yeah, there's six in total. Um, the first five episodes have got the ATV logo, and then the final one's got central on it.
1: Is it um is the last one is it a central presentation of an ATV production or anything like maybe, that? Or is it just straight maybe,
0: central? Maybe, but it's yeah. it's certainly odd to see that. Again, it's like that. There's a there's a sort of delineation point for me in the mid-80s. It's kind of like when Bruce Grabola replaced Ray Clements at Liverpool Football Club when they deregulated the bus service, when they deregulated the TV service, um, you know, when the 12.5p stamp went up to 13p, all these things conspired um, to to end my innocence, really. You know, in many yeah. ways. Um, Banana Man yeah. coming on the telly. They all coincide around this 1985-86 sort of world. And it's funny, isn't it, when you're in your childhood paradigm because... When I don't suppose kids have that now. I, I I don't suppose they do. But you know, I suppose it's like when a when there's a family where the mom and dad split up or something like that. Your oh, childhood, yeah. if if it doesn't end, it is irrevocably altered.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It, you it know, completely is. Yeah. And I know that um, sounds
0: really. And I, I'd apologies to anyone listening who's sort of had you know. And I'm comparing Banana Man beginning on the BBC. <laughs> With, with uh, seeing your dad on a Saturday. I do apologize for that. But um, th- there are all these things that can. Consp- a child's world is very fragile, isn't it? And any. It's like, a, you know, frogs, they say, are very susceptible to climate change, don't they? Yeah. I'm in a rabbit hole here, Paul. Help. No, um, no, no, no. You know, so I think <laughs> that all those things, I mean, you must have noticed things like that happen yourself. Uh,
1: no, I absolutely did. Yeah. I'm, I think for me, mine was a bit later. Mine was. Um, God, it may have been 1990 for me. Where I think for the first time, popular culture had a massive uh, impact on my my life. And I think that there are two events (laughs) that I remember. And one was um, Blur, releasing the album Leisure. Mm. Uh, But primarily it was the single There's No Other Way, which did something. But... Away from all of that, up until that point, I was a good God-fearing Christian going to church, little chap. Yes. Um, and I would go to church and then I'd come home and Channel 4 started showing Lost in Space from the right, 60s. Right, that was
0: a Sunday morning, wasn't it, that?
1: No, it was Sunday lunchtime. It was Sorry, Sunday yes. at 1 o'clock.
0: Yeah, because they'd show that, and that was and the Waltons, then that. Yeah,
1: that's it. And it was just, that's right, uh, Waltons at 12 and Lost in Space at 1, it was. Yeah. And it was just, I absolutely love that show because it was, it pitched itself just right for me at that point in my life. And then it finished. And I was like, okay, there we go. And then they said, but it'll be back in colour in, oh, there's more and it's going to be in colour. Yeah. But then they altered the time and they moved it from one o'clock to 11 o'clock. You had to make a choice. Church was 10.30 till 12 and... I'm afraid Irwin Allen Productions won.
0: Yes. That was it. Yes. Well, you see, that was, I suppose, your, um, what do they call these? Rites of passage, wasn't it? You uh, asserting Mm. your freedom to say, no, no mother. I don't want to do this. I want to. Yes. I want to watch Lost in Space. Um, Well. Yes. I, I think you're quite right there. and. It's, again, that is a nice thing, isn't it? That, that is a nice thing. Yeah. In itself, you know, when you uh, utilize your own agency for the first time. Yes. But also, the ephemera surrounding that Sunday morning Channel 4 vibe, I remember it really, really well. And mm. one thing you might not remember they used to show uh, on the Sunday mornings was Jack Hargreaves as well. They used to show a series called, Old Channel 4 made a series called Old Country.
1: Old Country, yeah. Which, no, I never saw it
0: right yeah so it's funny because out of town um i never saw out of town whatsoever i only remember old country you know right um and i the my mate used to take the piss out of me for watching this you know what he referred to as old shit Um, (laughs) and as as the fast show so successfully lampooned didn't they with was it bob fleming
1: Bob Fleming, yeah. Bob
0: Fleming, yeah. So it was, it was borrowed into our subconscious all this stuff. But the Sunday morning with Channel Four uh, thing was was a fantastic example of people just saying, "Let's get the good stuff out of the archives," because you only see the crap these days. Yes, you know, and when you so see you... the
1: same, don't you? It's always the same. Yeah. Uh, Dad's Army is is always going to be on, yeah, because um,
0: because
1: it. Because it it was made in costume it was all when it was made therefore it doesn't age like the other stuff because
0: yeah yeah quite right
1: so you can accept that an awful lot more but the other stuff that maybe has apparently aged you know the thing that you must never do ever do is of course show anything black and white because people won't watch it Yes, and i think you know the last time that the bbc won well, BBC showed uh, a black and white programme, not film, but a black and white programme, was 1993 when they repeated Planet of the Daleks and episode three was only in black and white then. Right. They've not shown anything since 93 (coughs) with this strange belief that people won't watch it and that there's a bit of a kiss of death to it. But UK Gold in 1996 on a Sunday morning had this wonderful thing where they would go from... Animal Magic, Jack and and then Blue Peters from 1971. They did a consecutive run of 26 Blue Peters from 1971. And then you'd go into a Doctor Who Omnibus and Blake Seven and so, yeah. on and, so. and oh that was nice. That those, was lovely, Telly. That was perfect for me.
0: Those were hangover days, they were. I remember one Sunday morning waking up, because as I recall Blake Seven, when I watched you can't go. Blake Seven was on before Doctor Who, is my memory. Yes, it
1: was. Yeah, movie. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: And I think there's an episode called Threads of Blake Seven. I'm not uh, well up at all on Blake Seven. It's a Terry Nation one. And it mm. starts in this forest with like spider's webs all over everything. I just remember I had this really kind of metaphysical hangover, and I was watching this thing. Just the use of the word Threads and Terry Nation. It was mm. kind of like all these things together, really.
1: Uh, well, do you remember there's there's these little creatures in it, which have got heads a bit shaped like like mushrooms, and they're all played by dwarves. Does that ring a bell?
0: Running you around see, you see, this is this added to the terror of my hangover. And then sure <laughs> I stayed drunk for another twenty years. Yes. 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 Is yes. that so so that is it called threads or is that my memory playing? No,
1: it? that's that's called the web. That the one. web. The so web. With the little creatures, who I think are, they're called decimers, and the lead decimer is of course played by Deep Roy. Of course, of course,
0: of, of course, course.
1: yeah. Um, Belong. All right. It's 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 an odd one, Blake Seven, isn't it? I'm I'm
0: having a bit of a rewatch at the moment. Yeah, and I I can absolutely get where you're coming from because if it's gone dark, you know, and and you've got the because t- you I, I like the way you do a lot of things, particularly with. Your relationship with technology and your adherence to your sort of—you have a cutoff point where, by no, the phone's off. I'm not doing this. I'm not interacting with this. That is it. Yes, and, uh, that's so, it. Yeah, and that's something that I would—I I think you've got it right there. And so it's, a, it's you, a
1: very stubborn side, but it does get to that point where I think, no, you're off. I'm going to watch Doctor Finley's casebook. Go away.
0: And you're—and you're actually watching it. You—you're not. Yeah. Like, Oh, let's have a check of that. Oh, let's
1: No, no, no. <laughs> I will put the I will put this thing up. Over it goes. That's it. It's gone. And I won't look at it. With the hazard being, of course, then my alarm doesn't go off. But I won't <laughs> look at it. And I will actually sit there and I'll happily absolve stuff. I need I need that cut off, personally. I need to be able to go, no.
0: And it shows respect to the people who made the bloody thing.
1: Yeah, it does. It you know, absolutely because does.
0: because those people who make television. Who, the people who make good television who care about it, not the people who work on Piers Morgan's shite stories or anything, but these people who yeah. really, really agonize over this stuff, you know. And, and when you are able to inhabit another world for an hour, it is just joyous, you know. It's mission it accomplished for the program maker. But I, I mean, yeah, it is. Going back to the Channel 4 repeats, I remember that another thing they used to do was on a Monday night, they would show Man About the House on uh, Channel 4. And what I loved about Man About the House is kind of like it gave, it gives you something to... When they show those old repeats like that, um, it gave you something to talk. You know, it gave me something to talk to my mum about because there were times yeah. that she'd lived through and she could say this and she could say... And she would spin off into, you know, uh, little stories about her own life from it. So the good prompts yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But one of the things I used to love about Man About the House is let's say the um, episode where he... Yeah, he teaches Chrissy how to pass a driving test, whatever it is. Right. Uh, but uh, Roper's making some homebrew as well. So before he gives her a lesson, he's like, hey, Arsh, I never go with that. And of course, Roper's homebrew is like, you know, really pokey tackle. So one glass of yeah. it, you're well over the limit. And now it's, it's topical because the breathalyzer was new and yada, yada, yada. Side issue, really, because what I really loved was when they were in the flat, and he was like, "Okay, let's go outside in the car," and he'd go outside, and Richard O'Sullivan's her was about three inches shorter, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would love that because that is—you'd have the—you'd <clears throat> have the jolt anyway as you go from VT to film. So you'd lovely, have that. Jolt. lovely. His hair would be shorter. You know everything about it. The clothes would be the same. Um, and so, you, even though you're young, you get your head around the fact that right, okay, well, how would they do that? So I suppose they had to film that one time, and then, fil- you know what I mean? And you, yeah. kid, kids are curious. Yeah, yeah. So it gives you that kind of insight, really, into, hmm. you know, everything seems to be getting slicker. Everything seems to be getting, you know, with television. We've spoke about this before. Television having an identity crisis and and being created more like film. You know. Um to go back to a sort of to, to paraphrase Eric Markham, you know, you could see the giant in the stuff the nice yeah. things we love, you could see the join.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you could. But it, that for me just made it all the more interesting. I mean, what what I love is watching a if you watch an old thing where it's been made on location and sort of it's Father Dear Father, usually is, and they've gone to Margate. <laughs> Uh, for a summer holiday and Patrick Cargill's there and they've got the bloody great big St. Bernards, And then he's like, come on, Nanny! And he runs into the sea and you can see that on that day it must have been bloody freezing, but they just do it anyway. Same with Troughton in The Enemy of the World when he runs down the sand dune and he's stripping off and he runs into the sea. That looks bloody freezing, yeah. but they did it anyway. Now, of course, now, of course, when well, you alter the colours, you alter the grading. And you spend so much time making the location appear to be something that it wasn't because we're apparently incapable of going, I can follow the story. Yes, yes. And And, that's something that annoys me.
0: And I think that a great uh, example of that is Olivier's Henry V. You know, when there's the speech at the beginning, it's like, and you'll know the speech, I don't, but it's something along the lines of, isn't it? Now, let your mind, you know, move on from... the scenery isn't
1: well that's the opening isn't it the opening of the film where the camera is doing like an overhead shot of Elizabethan London and then goes in on the globe and then they do that mix so they go from model shot to there he is, stood on the stage taking you into it. Yeah, that's stunning. For something that was just yeah. made as propaganda. Yeah. You know, we could we didn't have any colour film in World War II. Give it to Larry. We need yeah. a propaganda film. Yeah. I approve of that as propaganda. Yeah. So that is absolutely beautiful. And it is. Shakespeare's always saying that, isn't he? You get that so much. Like in in Romeo and Juliet, you know, the first thing um, in Fer Verona where we lay our scene. It's straight away they're saying, you are watching theatre. This yeah. is Verona. and That's it. You don't need anything more than that. The audience go, we're in Verona. Well, here we are in the forest of Arden. Yeah, okay. We're in the forest. Of- we can do that. Yes. People are capable of doing that. We are capable of using imagination. We don't need someone to go, oh, but it looked a bit warm on the day. Let's up the
0: blues. Yeah. Up your
1: yeah. grass.
0: Well, people aren't no? allowed to use their imagination. and Program makers do not give their audience any credit for intelligence. That's the bottom line, because people want that. People want to be able to... (laughs) That's why when you read a book, it's so much more interesting than when you watch the film of the book, because it's just, oh, I wouldn't have cast him, or "Mm, it's not kind of how I saw it. You know? I don't think we're given any... That's why theatre is, for me, the purest of the dramatic art forms, because just a couple of actors and a black stage you know i mean it's like when we were doing sir henry we started off with lots of scenery and everything and in the end it was just a chair and that's all you needed you know
1: would you know what that was that was um i think that may have been my fault because at the time i was reading about alan bennett and the way that he directs right and the way that he directs is if he's got three characters there are three chairs yeah then he takes one away and sees what that does yeah. Then he takes the other one away and sees what it does. And there's the power being created in situ, yeah. going along and that dynamic is being created. And I think for with Sir Henry, from my point of view, it was to purr it back so that you felt the confidence to just go, ah, not exactly hiding that. behind anything.
0: Exactly yeah. that, you know, to, that. To, to for it to be my sort of first acting job as such. It was kinda like I you know, I was incredibly terrified of it. So it, it was good to have corners to hide in, you know. Um but yeah, I mean you the audience are given no credit for intelligence now. You can't see the join anymore. You know, it's all very slick. And I think that, you know, that's that's one of the aspects of television that I think it's lost its way. It's can it's more bothered about you know, looking super duper slick than its content. I think that the, I think that the content is becoming very secondary. I don't watch television, by the way, listeners. So, I, I, my my opinion on this is moot, really. You know,
1: I, I, I'm not disagreeing with it, though. I, I think, yeah, you're spot on. Te- television, you know, ultimately, the big difference between film and TV is that film takes longer. Yeah, a feature film will take three months to yes. shoot. an episode. The brothers will take five days and four days in the Acton Hilton and one day in TC three. Yeah, it was Birmingham actually. I do apologize. Um, One day in Pebble Mill, and that's it. And then you're on to the next one, and it's that old rep system in Mm. television, which is which is beautiful. You could just you could film it. Edit was an edit was basically okay. We've stopped tape. Join it to keep going. That's your edit, and then it's out there. So it is genuinely contemporaneous, and it should be. But if you're taking if you're taking 11 months to make 10 episodes of Doctor Who, uh, no, 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 sorry. Get in, get in the Acton Hilton, get a maggot, do your 25 minutes, get in TC3, yeah. film it, do the next one. Go to the pub afterwards, do the next one. Yeah. That's, that's what telly should be. Telly yeah. should have that immediacy so that it can contact us.
0: It, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't. And another thing is that everybody on television these days, from what I've seen, is beautiful. You know, when I've seen it, it's like everybody's just a. Hey, you know, they, they all look like they're uh, Hollywood stars. You know, whereas yes. in the old days, you would get. I mean, you mentioned Patrick Cargill, uh, who who it looks to me like he's combing her up from his armpits to cover yes. that head of his. It's it's like you don't get blokes who look like that on the telly anymore. You know, I watched Never. Sparrows Can't Sing the other day. Um, I know, immediately, you know, it's like a meme just saying it, isn't it? But you see... Queenie Watts
1: in that, Queenie Watts when she's
0: Queenie Watts in that and singing. Queenie Watts, we would never get Queenie
1: Watts on television.
0: But it's a who's who of who became household names in sitcom in the following... You know, when you think about Joan Littlewood and, and what she achieved, and then you look at the cast of that with Bob Grant on the buses, Stephen Lewis on the buses... You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that Anna Karen's in there for one scene on the buses again. Um, you know, Barbara Windsor, all the carry ons. James, yes. Boob, I know that he sort of you know, he had that stint in Zulu, doesn't he? But he turned up in comedy throughout the, the seven, absolutely. Um, yeah. Roy Kinnear, <clears throat> uh, Youth of Joyce, Brian Murphy, George and Mildred are in it, aren't they? You know, in completely... Yeah. but it's it's it shows you that the avant-garde, the cutting edge of theatre, you know today's cutting edge of theatre was tomorrow's mainstream, and as you say, there's that there's that uh, line that goes straight through from drama school oh. to rep to to television, right? That whole yeah. uh, journey has been. Completely, Mm. first of all, all those working class actors that we discussed, the you know, uh, Rita Webb's in it, all these people in the uh, Victor Spinetti. (sighs) I mean, we could go on all day about that film because it's it's just uh, so if anyone's listening perfect. uh, never heard it or or seen it, go and look. Sparrows can't sing up. And what I love about it is it all just it's one day. Yes, one day. And they set the agenda for not only British theatre but also British cinema from there on in. Uh, I won't spoil how it ends, uh, but it's very, it almost uh, foreshadows pop art the way that it ends. Um, it's it's frequently on Talking Pictures
1: TV, so it's worth oh, is it? an eye out for that. Oh, yes, fantastic. it is. They've got that fantastic. one. But uh, what's interesting here, I think, is this idea as well of the fact that you had these performers in there. You didn't necessarily have actors or comedians. You had people who were mm. performers. They were rounded. So Queenie Watts, of course, with her singing and the fact that she owned a London pub and she was in uh, Yes, My Dear and Romany Jones and those sort of things. And another one, this is a segue and a half, ready for this. Another one was Trevor Bannister. Oh. Now then, and we've had a contact this week, Mike. A a letter, a letter. It's a a sort of a letter. It's delivered by electronic means. okay, dear. Anyway, so it's from Paula Fay, okay? Right. And what Paula Fay says is this: uh, the discussion on "Are you being served?" Was that in the solstice one? Are you being Scared?
0: Yeah, yes, it was. Oh, right. Yes, okay.
1: the discussion of "Are you being served?" reminded me of the time I was in Hampton Court Maze, <laughs> and Trevor Bannister was there in green pastel trousers with two women. One was in jumpers <laughs> and had a horsewhip. And she was whipping Trevor's ample behind while he whinnied and pretended to gallop about. <laughs> I am not making this up. So, <laughs> you couldn't make that up. So I said, "Well, thanks, Paula. Do you mind if we read that out? Because uh, it's it's quite a story." And she said, "Absolutely. It's absolutely true. Must have been around 1987. A quiet winter weekday afternoon, not at night. A no. weekday afternoon in the maze." Hardly anybody there save myself, my then boyfriend, and Trevor and his entourage. I have never forgotten it. And I don't think we will either. No,
0: no. The lovely Paula, thank you for that, Paula. Thank you, Paula. That's wonderful. Um, Trevor Bannister again. Well, why not? Mm. Um, I mean, uh, you see, with me, Trevor Bannister is Rupert Favane's mule in the Stepton Sun episode of Star is Born. Oh, the director! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Yes. I, I love that episode. I mean, you know, again, it's my, it's my probably my ultimate nice thing. Getting that um, BBC VHS, the blue stepped on someone from W. H. Smith's in witness, and it's a winter night, and I got home, you know, and you got to remember, there's one television in the house and one video recorder in the house, so <clears throat> it's kind of like when Coronation Street goes off. <clears throat> Excuse me, I get to put my video on, and. Yes because I'd seen the Steptoe film many times, you know, because I, I taped it when it was on the telly. But to see an episode of Steptoe was quite yeah. a different thing again. You could see the join, you know, but his turn in that as, as Rupert Fafane's Muir is just, um, it's just brilliant, you know, yeah,
1: it, it no, absolutely
0: fantastic in that. And it gives you the wonderful lines of, you know, how's your Emlet, darling? Yes. How are you? Darling, <laughs> and of, and of course, uh, I saw your emlet, darling. Up yours, darling, and kiss yes. me backside, darling. I'll <laughs> make some cocoa. And it's got that
1: wonderful end, hasn't it? With the with the brick through the window. Yes, <laughs> Go that, darling.
0: It's the bottle oh. of scotch. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's the bottle oh. of scotch. Go that, darlings.
1: Yeah, but there was that lovely period because I think they showed. I think it was the 72 series of Steptoe, because that's...
0: Incredible. Oh, dear, you've Ah, you and went there. Go on, say it again. About Sorry, dear, you froze. Th- okay, th- okay. th-
1: um, that's okay. Um, there was that lovely period in about 1988 when they re-showed, I think it was the 1972 Steptoe series. And I remember watching that, particularly for the episode The Desperate Hours oh. with Leonard Rossiter. And I remember watching, I was recording this. I I saw that there were six episodes. I'd got an E-180, only just lasted because one of them, The Desperate Hours, is 32 minutes. And I think that's important, right? Because if you watch The Desperate Hours, I think that is all in one take, apart from maybe just before the end, when Leonard Rossiter is telling, I can't remember the name of the actor now, um,
0: the irish one
1: jg devlin yeah jg devlin yeah. when he's saying right you take this money i'm gonna run for it you stay here yeah and there's a moment where there's a cutaway and it's a really strange one to corbett and bramble but corbett's looking at the camera and then he, he quickly goes like that so i think there's an edit might be an edit there or just an awkward cut and the seems to be stumbling over his lines but they let it go and it's 32 minutes, it should be 30, it should be 29, mm. but 32 yeah. minutes goes out, a bit like Faulty Towers series yeah. 2, where none of them are the correct running time, and the yeah. psychiatrist is 38 minutes, you know, and they let it go, whereas now that will be trimmed to the yeah. second. Yeah. The yeah. other yeah. thing that I remember from that time was they repeated some, not Hank, yeah they did, they repeated some Hank cooks half hour.
0: This all tied in and- with that TV50.
1: They did, well, TV 50, right, hang on, i worked this out, TV 50 when we were talking about it.
0: Yeah, that would have been 86, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Um, they repeated some old Hancock's Half Hours, and I had the same experience as you, because we went over to... Um, to a farm we used to visit uh, where some distant relatives were on a Sunday and they were repeating these on a Sunday so we set the timer on the VHS to record it and it was the Bowman's episode yeah. and the bloody timer didn't work and I got back and I was so disappointed mm. but but a week later my granddad God bless him lovely man had been in WH Smiths and Road and there it is, the Bowman's with two other episodes, and uh, that lovely VHS design. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, it's the same as the steptoe design, apart from it's yeah, got all yes. the squirt.
1: Yeah, with the BBC classic comedy top Yes, left, Yes. And
0: the and the video legends sticker across the top, no doubt. That's, with, yes. red with a with a gold star. On with it. a star,
1: yes, yeah. absolutely. Lovely. lovely it, it was
0: lovely getting those things and it, it made them all the more elusive, didn't it? You know, because you got oh. three. And by God, did yes. you watch did you watch them? I mean, the Hancocks, those 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 repeats that you're on about, if you recall, they had new credits on the end and the beginning for that matter. They put new credits on them. They did.
1: Yes, they had. Which yeah. didn't work at all.
0: No, well I mean the DVDs, when the DVDs came out, they put one or two out from that final season where he's on his own with those new credits.
1: Yes, they the did. Whereas out. of course the They have, whereas normally you've got, you know, you've got your photos of Galton and Simpson and all those lovely little things contained within it. I love the, um, sorry. No, or the cartoon on the roller, you know, at the end where it was just hand drawn.
0: I think there's one where um, I think it's either he wins the pools or something. I mean, you know, years yeah. of alcohol abuse have destroyed my memory, but there's one where he's just at the end, he's like, go on, roll them, roll them. He's telling them to roll the credits. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough, go yeah. on, I... And there's another one where they're both I... in a cell, isn't there?
1: And yes. He, he, and he... you know what, there's a, go on, sorry, I'm getting over excited. No, but... no,
0: go, 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 go. Right.
1: There's a brilliant one, right? And it's called, there's an airfield at the bottom of my garden. Yeah. And it was the last one, I think, that he did live and the reason for it is because it all goes wrong because dick america he's trying to sell his house that he's bought and it's not railway from it's, sid it's from sid and it's a, there's an airfield at the bottom of his garden planes going past all the time and they've rigged the setup so the set shakes mm. really shakes And people are coming in to look at his house, and one of them is Dick Emery with, I think it's Peggy Ann Clifford playing this married couple, and they are brilliant together, Emery is superb. But there's a lovely thing that's meant to happen, which is, there's a trigger, and I think it's on the table. So when the table collapses, it's gonna lead to the bookshelf collapsing, which leads to the window falling out, and the bookcase, and all this, and the grandfather clock coming down. And that's the last thing of the episode and it gets triggered early. And and Hancock has to do the last six minutes of the (laughs) programme, stuck to the spot, holding this prop together, knowing if he lets go, it's going to just drop. And he just has to stand there whilst Dick Emery is moving around. It's lovely,
0: absolutely lovely. You you can can see the join. You You can can. see the join, and that's the point. It's theatre, and it's, oh, it's, yeah. Television has lost its intimacy. Yes. And, and that that's the trouble with it, you know. I think that yeah. that's probably one of the reasons why Miranda's series was so successful, because she looked into the camera, you know, and spoke yeah. to the audience. But yeah. it's its not got that intimacy, you know. It, it's like, what was I thinking of the other day? I watched, because uh, another guy who turns up in Sparrows Can't Sing is George Sewell. He plays Bert, who's... was uh, in
1: everything, uh, he God. Is.
0: He is. And, I, and so that evening I thought, I'm going to watch a detective's. I'm going to, you know, and so I put series one episode, one of the detectives on, brilliant, just yeah. brilliant. It's excellent. He's excellent. Jasper Carrot's excellent. Robert Powell, who knew he could do comedy like that? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just such a great series. And, and and it's also neutralizes my rule of 1989 because it begins in 93. So it's a nice thing that comes after my cutoff, which I'm very happy about. Because I think that... Yeah. I think that, I was thinking about this the other day, it was like, what are the last great traditional sitcoms? I'm, I can't really class, I, I suppose Father Ted is a traditional sitcom, The League of Gentlemen certainly isn't, um, but what are the last, you know, traditional cozy sitcom? because Father Ted is far too self-aware, and it's oh. far too, um, I still think it's, it's in that mold, but It's too clever to be considered a traditional sitcom.
1: Same as the IT crowd, and
0: yes, for
1: me, I mean, for me, there is this lovely last roll of the dice with sitcom, and it's interesting because it's the same, it's the same sort of stories, the same sort of characters, told in different ways. Yeah, and I think it's nineteen ninety when you get the first series of One Foot in the Grave. I was
0: just going to say One Foot in the Grave.
1: And the first series of Waiting for God, Setting the Retirement Home, which for me, for its first four series or so, was brilliant. Graham Crowden, you've got to love a Graham Crowden, with Stephanie Cole. Um, And I think also at the time, you did also have Keeping Up Appearances. I think that was until 1995. But you've got the same thing. You've got people who were a bit older, um, and yeah. third domestic situation. And I yeah. think that was the last time. Yeah. Last of the summer, wine kept going. But of course, by the, for its last, God knows how long, it wasn't filmed in front of an audience. It,
0: no, it was so it was diluted. I mean, it went on for about 400 series too many, didn't it, last of the summer? It did summer go on. on it, it yeah. just, but I'm
1: glad it did. Does that make sense?
0: If you care to expatiate upon it, yes.
1: I'm glad that it was there. I didn't right. watch it. But. To know it was on on a Sunday, to know it was still there, well past it's sell by date, <laughs> well past when I would have watched it because I would have been made to do you know what? If it was still on now, I'd be watching. I've started watching the Antiques Roadshow.
0: Oh no, no, come now, Dave. No, I have, I have, no, this, no, genuinely, this, uh, a Craig. Um what was his name, the Scottish Queen? Craig Ferguson did a great routine on, on, on that. And he's like, oh, and this here is, uh this this is worth about 200 pounds, Mrs. Protestant, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think explains what it is with you. It's cosy, it, it takes you back to that. No, Antiques Roadshow, absolutely not. No, dreadful, absolutely dreadful. No, terrible, awful, awful. Royce, I used to like it when I was a fair. kid. no. <laughs> I used to like it when I was a kid because you had sort of like you had like Arthur Nagus on it, didn't you? And you had you had all these sort of these antiques themselves, Hugh Scully. Right? yes, yes. But even before that, I mean, Sunday night was Antiques Roadshow Songs of Praise, um, Last of the Summer Wine, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. I, I, I'll go with that. But I'd say that for me, again, this is the, the when Ray Clements left Liverpool Football Club and, and when banana, you know. Again, it was when, <laughs> um, for the benefit of listeners, Paul is shaking his head like a dog doing a card trick. Um, <laughs> there was a series where Brian Wilde, Foggy. Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah
0: where yeah. Brian Wilde left and was replaced by a... Ca- In fact, he retired as an actor. Uh, and then they tempted him back, didn't they? And he was replaced by a character called Sheridan, who was played by a guy called Michael... No, he wasn't. Oh, I can't He's remember was... anyway.
1: You're right. No, you're getting your sitcoms confused here. Sheridan was Patricia Routledge's son.
0: I'm sure there was and... a sh- I'm sure he was called Sheridan, who pl- replaced Brian no. Wilde for about a series. Oh, no, I remember, I remember Sheridan ringing up. He was the gay yeah. son who... You know, obviously, you know Richard understood that he was getting
1: uh, absolutely. No, it was uh, the actor was Michael Aldridge, Good. and wasn't the wasn't the character Seymour? Yes, that's right. That's
0: it. That's right. Thank you. Go. Yes, you're quite right. I was wrong. Um, so that was an interesting character, that because he was an engineer, wasn't he?
1: that's right yeah and suddenly you had a way because previously and this is the thing people think of last of the summer wine just
0: three of, men in a bath going down a hill three
1: men in a bath going <laughs> right and it's not but it's not that for the first god knows how long michael aldrich comes in and they go well if we make him an engineer we can make billow in drive down the hill and things
0: and that and, is where it lost its way and that would have been about 1984, I'm guessing, that. when, when It would have
1: been, but I would have to say that you are categori- categorically incorrect.
0: And I'm more than happy to be categorically incorrect. <laughs> I mean, the original guy was uh, the guy who played... Michael Bates. Michael Bates, who got a lot of... still gets a lot of shit for blacking up in um, in Half Hot Month yeah the thing about Michael Bates is that he spoke fluent urdu uh was half Indian and was an officer wasn't he in the yeah, in, that's right. in army that's right. so it's a shame that he gets such crap for that uh mm-hmm. but again, obviously you know with the year zero approach that we seem to have now with uh, moral relativism, everybody's got oh. to be on message with today, no matter when they were performing or writing or whatever it may be. So that's a series yes. again. It ain't enough, it won't get shown. I'm certain it won't get shown. It's a shame because some of those screams, how did Windsor Davis shout, right, like that, every week? Because the diaphragms are, are wobbling on the mics, aren't they? You can hear them.
1: Absolutely, they are. Because because of training. That's why. Because right. he was a seasoned actor. He'd been trained. He'd done rep. He played to rep crowds and you know they weren't all people sat there politely clapping and eating cucumber sandwiches rep crowds could be harsh and if they didn't like a show they would let you know yeah you've got to get above them and it's that skill to project yeah but again and when we work when we work with people in in theatre or younger people I always say something. I, w- I want to see your shoulders rising in yeah. the pause. I want to actually see but when that person's talking that's not just you waiting and then saying yes. your bit you're listening, you're thinking, but most of what you are filling your lungs yes. and you are pushing that air out. It takes them a while.
0: Yes, yeah, it It's the John Gielgud good thing. There are no such thing as small parts, only small actors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so if you are just standing there waiting for your cue. Mm. Oh, <laughs> nevertheless.
1: Nevertheless. Because we talked about John Gil. Did yeah. we talk about him as the no, not character? on here? Yeah. We
0: we spoke just off air about him, yeah. Oh, well, uh, shall we? Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So Gil could, yeah, he always said this thing about there's no such thing as small um, small parts, only small actors. And he also said that the most difficult role he ever played was when he was in Hamlet as a very young actor. I think we're talking late 20s, 1920s, a very young actor. And he was also the assistant stage manager So for the company. So he would have to sweep the floor, but he would also occasionally pick up tiny parts as well and learn his trade that way. And he said the most difficult role he ever played was the spear carrier in Hamlet. Because in act five, you are stood there with your spear and around you, the queen drops dead. Ophelia's already uh, died of drowning. Then the queen drops dead. Then Laertes drops dead. Then the king is nephew, is murdered by his own nephew stroke stepson, and then said stepson dies as well. And the spear carrier has to stand there. And absorb all of this and think and react and want to move, but knows his job is just to be there and to be the royal guard. He said that was the most difficult thing ever because it was all motivation and all internalised and just trying to let that out. That's an actor.
0: It's incredible. When you you actually analyse that statement. So first of all, the first thing that is apparent to you is the actor's brain that's going on there. Oh, yes. It's it's not just about me. They are actually in the situation. It goes back to, again, it goes back to using the imagination to Mm. not be stood on a stage resentful, you know, because we get so much ego in this business. It's like, I'm better than this. Yes. but it doesn't care. Mm. Considering the situation, considering what's going on around him, like you say, all that motivation going on. And when you actually consider, because so many people just do a reading of Shakespeare. Don't in any way consider the drama of it. First of all, it's, it's unfortunately it's locked away within the language for a lot of people. It's just too great a stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that when people get the meter right and I think when people get the intonation right and I know you're no fan of it, but I think Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet does that wonderfully. Uh, It does that
1: wonderfully, it does, yeah.
0: There is an argument for, you know, the accents that you get in the likes of Texas and the accents you get in New England and stuff like that, that their metre and their inflection is more uh, analogous with how people spoke in Shakespeare's time. Because what you've got, you've got that curious thing. Sorry, I just finished my pint. You've got that curious thing in America, haven't you, where there's a lot of, you know, English that is frozen at the mm-hmm. time of independence. That's why they spell colour. That's why they spell labour. They spell... They've got all those old spellings. That's why they use Zs on a lot of words, as we would have in 1776. Um, and so in a lot of those communities, you've got a lot of the, um, the the accents. You've got a lot of the timbre. You've got a lot of the nuance that we would have spoke with. Yeah. So that, that's just... how no, you do. Yeah.
1: Well, no, you're right. I mean, I think the key... Well, the... There's a there's a wonderful uh, person uh, on Twitter and I will remember his name um, who uh, looks at Shakespeare and original pronunciation. Um, there's a really good example that he does on YouTube. Ben uh, Ben Crystal is his name. Have I a look at him on, on Twitter.
0: I did, yeah, and it, it's yeah, amazing yeah.
1: because when you get into it, all of a sudden you get into this rather bizarre West Country sort of accent. Mm. With, now it's the winter of our, discontent me, glorious summer is son sunny York. And it, it does Hancock work.
0: territory though, there. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> But But you've also got the fact that if you look at the plays, um, Romeo and Juliet refers to the two hours traffic on our stage. Romeo and Juliet, if you do the whole text, that's at least three hours. They were speedy with it as well. But I think that for me, the whole thing about language, I read an article 10 years ago now, it must be, which pointed out that there were more words not in everyday common usage in an episode of The West Wing than there were uh, in an average Shakespeare play. Yeah, And I think you've got two things. You've got two things here. The first thing is the, that there is now a barrier between us and Shakespeare which is why it's all said in the received pronunciation accent. And people think it still is. And it was never meant to be. Received pronunciation is an invented accent. Yeah, It it, it was nothing like how it should originally have been spoken, which is why I love it when we get kids with their regional accents doing Mm. bits of Shakespeare and it slips. And it works because it was the language of the common people. You know, this is how common people...
0: It's such a shame that we hadn't devised a system because the great thing about... Music notation is that we've got music from ancient Greece that we can still play because we had a system of music notation whereby we knew uh, things like, you know, pauses and speeds and and, uh, note length and stuff like that. So we can accurately reproduce music from the time of Shakespeare, absolutely no problem. I mean, I think music notation had been standardised by then, but we didn't have a way of standardising pronunciation and how things, you know, it's kind of like the dictionary only came around in, what was it, the 19th, 18th century, wasn't it, Johnson?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. But you do have one thing, which is what I I love uh, with Shakespeare, which is the man knew how to punctuate.
0: Mm, and uh, yes, for yes, me. Yes, yes,
1: yes. It's the it's the use of the commas. It's the full stops. It's the colon, the semicolon. Once you get into what they mean to him as an individual writer, it does unlock it, and suddenly you realise that he breathes. There's a w- best thing, best thing ever, um, in Macbeth. There's a speech in Macbeth where um, he's just done the murder of King Duncan. And he comes down and his wife's there and she's waited for him. And she's like, my husband. And she's all passionate. And then what Shakespeare does is he gives Macbeth a bit of a list. But he makes the gaps between the commas shorter Mm. and shorter. So you start off taking a breath every three or four words. And then it goes to about three. And then it goes to two. And then it goes to one. And what happens is the actor starts feeling like they are having a panic attack. Mm. but what he then does is he spaces them back out and he regulates your breathing again that's genius for me
0: oh yeah yeah that's, i mean with the genius. punctuation obviously but but with intonation it's only when you get into some of his rhymes that you're like oh right you are pronouncing that word differently to the way i would pronounce it you know and and, mm. and so you know it's it's like you know One of my favourites, Toby Belch, and um, you'll tell me the correct line, but it is, you know, dost thou think because thou is virtuous there will be no more cakes and ale. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, I think that, I think that some of the archetypes work better now. I think that Falstaff will always work. I think that Satobi Belch will always work. Um, Mm. Because I think that those characters were put in for people like, the, the common people, dear. I think they yeah, were put in for absolutely. people like us. You know, he has all those lovely double acts, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Who are the two in Henry V? Isn't it Pistol and someone? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so he always puts these little double acts in. In many ways, I suppose, I don't know, It's probably a trope, even then a double act. Yeah. Um, but um, it would be wonderful to hear it done how it was done at the time. And I don't think it would be impenetrable because I think that as long as the intention and the motivation is that it's back to look at, I mean, I bet that um, Dealgood's spear carrier unlocked that scene because he was taking it seriously. The actors felt that they could. I think that, 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 again, that's why theatre is by far the most immediate and effective dramatic art form. Because, you know, the Augusto Boal thing, who I'm not the greatest fan of Boal, but the spectator concept, mm. I think, is a, is a great one. It's like Ken Dodd said, didn't he? I've never, people say, oh God, all those shows you've done on your own. It must be, t-. I've never done a show on my own. <clears throat> it's always been me and the audience. Yeah. You know, and, and so there is that whole illusion that we all collude in. That we're not meant to know they're there, but we do know they're there and Absolutely. You know You, know, you and,
1: always know the audience are there. You always do. And that's that's the lovely thing. And that's until he used to know the audience was there, because it would be live or transmitted very quickly. And now it doesn't. And it, it can't be reactive anymore. No. Which is a shame. No. Which is a shame. But there we are.
0: Well, yes, dear. I think that uh, theatre is definitely in the nice things box. And they should open them all very soon.
1: Theatre's very
0: much And I I suppose... That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. And I think that it suits governments for theatres to be closed for everything we've talked about for the last hour and ten minutes.
1: Oh, yes, I think so. So, there we are. But, uh, right, so,
0: have you got any nice things planned for the week? things planned for the week um uh, well as you know it's just work now it's uh, a lot of work, we have guys. a lot of work you have a production of hamlet to uh oh. to put on this <laughs> week. tomorrow yes. tomorrow oh, oh god and you can't even invite a proper audience in can you, you... we can't but we How are live streaming
1: it um i think we're allowed 50 in the theater 50 oh, percent capacity is it? it's not too bad not but too you've bad. still got a lot of people who they're not ready Need to come out. Yeah, that's fine. But there will be a live stream on Thursday. Uh, oh, that's we're good. going to try and broadcast it. So um, I will put a link on my on my Twitter. But if ah. it just, just, oh, no, this goes out after, doesn't it? It does, well, dear. It'll what, all be done. But I'll tell you what, go on my Twitter. That's at Paul Carmichael. No, it's at P Carmichael VO. Captain Peacock. Yes, um, and there'll be a link there, and you can see whether it went very well or very badly.
0: Well, if the link's still live, we can put a link in this, can't we?
1: Yes, we can. We'll do that. So, And
0: your Twitter is for your ramblings? Oh, just my name, Michael Livesley, L-I-V-E-S-L-E-Y. Um, good luck spelling that. Um, yes, nice things this week. Nothing in the pipeline, though I do fear that more nutties will be ordered at any moment. I have you got any so. more vinyl that you're going to buy of of television shows?
1: If they're doing a lovely vinyl release of the Myth Makers. William oh. Harden, 1965. Want, pre-ordered. Get Pre-ordered, want,
0: <laughs> get pre-o- it. Done. Yes,
1: done. Uh, the pre-order happens before the thought of want these days. Yes. It's just you see it. Yes, I do want it. It's the,
0: spines. It's the, the spines. It's the spines. We've always it got is. to have the spines. You do. know,
1: we absolutely do. So there's that. And there's the Doctor Who season 24 box set. Wow. That's coming out. Yes, that's on its way. We'll give that a go.
0: Get yes, give it there. a spin. Give it yes, a spin. It well, you've it. got too many nice things. This will lead to a spending spree the minute this show finishes.
1: Oh, it will. It has to.
0: Well, have a lovely week, dear. And uh, have a, a lovely week, week to everyone at do. home. Yes, and, enjoy uh, it. And we hope you've enjoyed this week's nice things. Mm. Um, I can't read really, uh, the. That's, that's been. That seems to have gone... We started on the ocean. We did. And, uh, and we ended up uh, cast on the shores of the modern day.
1: We did. We, I think we have truly plumbed the depths today. We have
0: plumbed the depths, thanks we to... Uh, Who was Baines again?
1: Howard Lang. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Howard Lang. Howard Lang, we won't forget that.
1: We're not going to forget him now.
0: Okay. No. Well, have a lovely week, everybody, and have a lovely week. Um, God, I can't remember who you were this week. You started it all off. What you feel, what were you, Rear Admiral? I
1: was, uh, but what I love is the fact that you've now got to put that in the credits every week, otherwise, you yes. be keeping up your own tradition.
0: That's, That's true. It's,
1: it's going to get longer,
0: it's going to get longer and longer. Well, you know, the days are getting longer. So, uh, oh no, they're getting shorter that. now. They're getting shorter. Yeah, now. they are. They're
1: getting shorter. Well, it's almost Christmas, it's
0: almost Christmas in Carmichael. Have a lovely weekend, all. Bye-bye.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Nice Things, The Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley, and the flutes were played by Andy Frizell and John. No jokes, please, Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Duck production.